Welcome to One in Christ, where the radiant story of Jesus comes to life. Hello, everyone. This is Long from OIC Communication Team. Today we have Tyler with us. Hello, Tyler. Hello. Thank you. Do you mind、uh, give us a brief introduction of yourself? Yeah,、um, my name is Tyler Levin. I am now a Virginia local. I live in Forest.、Um, I graduated from Liberty with a bachelor's in cinematic arts, but I'm now pursuing teaching and education. Welcome. That's an awesome background.、Uh, today we want to talk about、uh, a topic about culture and faith.、Um, tell me a little bit.、Uh, where did you born and raised? So I was born in、uh, Chicago, Illinois. Which is the Midwest, so very different from the South here.、Um, uh, and I lived there until、uh, I went to college,、um, which was 2014, and then、uh, went to school at Liberty, and then my family moved to Virginia. So originally born and raised in Chicago. Nice.、Yeah. Uh, would like to hear about some your family traditions.、Uh, what about let's start with、uh, food. Any particular food or dietary habits with your family? Well,、uh, this is not a good one, I should say. But、um, because of my mom, she would always have some sort of、uh, pop or like a Coke and chocolate,、uh, and that was a breakfast for her. So unfortunately, I have inherited that because、uh, I love having、uh, some kind of pop or soda in the morning and a piece of chocolate. Now every time after dinner, I need to have a piece of chocolate because I have a chocolate craving. Yeah, so that's not exactly a good dietary habit to have, but. I have it nonetheless,、um, and then、uh, let's see. My family loves to have barbecue a lot: barbecue burgers, hot dogs,、uh, sausages, all kinds of stuff like that.、Um, and then you know, most of the time when it comes to dinner, we always have some sort of protein, either mashed potatoes or some sort of potato, and then、uh, like a canned veggie, which is、uh, yeah, it's nothing, nothing、uh, super special there, but yeah, that's what we do. That's pretty cool.、Uh, yeah. I see nothing wrong with a lot of sugar in the morning. You know, <laughs> happy beginning. <laughs> I'm not proud of it.、Right. I'm not proud of it. <laughs>、uh, any other、uh, family traditions?、Uh, something related to、uh, culture? Anything?、Um, well, things like、um, my family is very loud,、um, and、uh, we're not exactly.、Uh, Uh, if you were to come over to our house, we wouldn't exactly be、uh, on our best behavior. We'd sit there and we'd be yelling across the house to each other, and、uh, you know, we screaming at each other and laughing so loud, and you know, we might make fun of each other. But it's all out of love, and so I think that's that's different to some families、um, who are trying to be very respectful. We're not exactly that.、Uh, we love to do games. We love to play games with each other.、Um, you know, we also love to spend time together and. We love to cook out, have barbecues. I don't know. Is there those kinds of traditions? Yeah. We also like to do things for holidays. You know,、uh, Fourth of July is around the corner, so you know we're gonna have a somewhat of a barbecue for that. We shoot off our own fireworks that、uh, terrify me because I almost got blown up by one one year. So I'm I'm, I'm PTSD from that. But yeah, that's that's that.、Um, but yeah, those are some traditions we do. Um. Tell me if、uh, there's any、um, values or principles from your culture or family that you hold very dear and may、uh, influence your actions and decisions in your life.、Hmm. I think that something that、uh, my father was always um, uh, always showing us as kids was that、um, you know 
family was very important and that, you know, being there for your family was something that um, is something that he really emphasized, um, how important it was to stand up for your family and to stand up for um, people who were doing wrong to your family. Um, my father, uh, he grew up in a, a kind of a bad bad household. His father didn't really care about him and his brothers were um, always getting into trouble with him and he was not the best kid, um, but he said no matter what happened, they were always standing up for one another and I think that's something that I value very highly and um, make sure that in our family, even if someone's picking on um, you know, someone else, we're always there to stand up for one another, we're always there to continuously love each other. Um, I think also just continuously caring for one another um, whenever there's some kind of problem or need, we're dropping everything just to help them and being there for them. I think there's never been a time in my life when I've had an event or some kind of, you know, baseball game or, you know, if I did theater and I was in a show, I think there was always someone from my family there to, to support me. And I think that was something very important, too, that I love and, and want to implement in the future um, when I get a family. Um, I don't know about culture um, that one might... Uh, guide my actions or decisions because I think the culture today is a little a little different and they don't always do things that I would agree with, um, especially modern culture and secular culture. So I think a lot of that, that value I get is from, you know, uh, what my mom and dad were teaching me, um, what the Bible teaches me, um, and how I see, you know, people I look up to, um, men of faith and uh, pastors and friends, how they live their lives. And I think all that kind of uh, shapes my values and my decisions. Hmm. You just inspired me some, um, I think, very important question here is um, you've been raised up with a healthy family and with uh, Christian values uh, in your family, but you've been exposed to a culture that is dramatically different. Hmm. Um, do you still remember when was the first time you've been shocked at the difference between this? I think the biggest uh, wake-up call was high school. Um, and it was weird because junior high was still pretty much controlled in a sense where uh, kids might have acted bad, but there was still like, <clears throat> I was still in a bubble, so to speak. Um, I don't know, I guess I was just young and naive, so I didn't understand a lot of things happening. But then I get to high school and I start seeing um, these things that are talked about in, in media and in TV shows and they're happening in front of my eyes, such as drug use and alcohol alcohol use. And these are high school kids doing it. Um, so that was a huge shocker. And then I'm starting to get to know people who are doing it too. And they're friends of mine and now I'm, I'm, I'm blown away because... This is where me growing up with Christian values and knowing what's right and wrong, so to speak, knowing that drinking is bad and smoking is wrong and swearing is even wrong too. And then all of a sudden these people are doing it around me. You know, it's it's a big clash of like, well, you know, I've been taught this thing, but now they're doing it. And then some friends of mine would join in and do it, friends who are Christian. And then now I'm conflicted because I'm like, where's the line drawn? You know, am I able to do some of this stuff? Am I not able to do some of this stuff? And so I think that was a big, a big issue too, is because then I'm struggling in high school because you started kind of changing to follow what the world was doing. And I think that was something that I was struggling with all through high school was just the world versus following Christ. And I think that was a huge shock for me. Um, it actually kind of also changed. So all through high school, I was following um, the wrong kind of things, you know, 
well, I'd say freshman year, it was a challenge and a struggle. Each, each year I got more and more secular, so to speak. And I started hanging out with the wrong people and doing some of the wrong things. Then comes college and I went to Liberty. And boy, again, it was a different type of culture shock because Liberty is a very Christian environment. It's very encouraging in, in how you continue to grow with the Lord. And so where I went from high school, where I was losing my grip with God, all of a sudden I come to Liberty and I'm snapped back into a different reality where, oh my word, I need to, I need to change. I need to start following the right one. I need to start following the right way. I need to repent for what I've been doing and how I've been living. And so I think while high school was bad, college, I just suddenly realized that I'm following the wrong things and I need to start pursuing God. So yeah, so yeah, there was a, there was a big culture shock in high school and then college, I culture shocked again, but for the good. Wow, thanks God for transforming that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I just heard a story, one person this morning showed, tells me that um, there is a young uh, high schooler and just uh, went to a college orientation and the ice-breaking game, just uh, asking how many of you have experienced a drug high and how many of you had a one-night stand or a 3P. Or, wow, they're so shocked. and uh, it's, This is an icebreaker? Yes, in a college orientation. Oh, my word. Yeah, I can't believe it. Do you have any words to those young mind, young people? From my personal experience, um, I don't think it makes you a better person or more experienced person if you have done those things. I think that to say, you know, if they're like, hey, you haven't done this, what's wrong with you? You're not living life. I think that that's not true. I think that it's okay not to do those things and it's okay. I think so many times... I would give in to the when people would make fun of me for not doing those things, which kind of influenced my decisions to do them. Um, for instance, I used to, to vape a lot. And so I was made fun of for that. And uh, I was like, oh, I guess it couldn't hurt me, but it's okay not to. And I think it's actually more admirable if you stand your ground on, you know, these are my morals and beliefs and I will not waver, uh, especially if those morals and beliefs are Christian based, because now you're you're not wavering on your faith and you're not wavering on what God tells us is important. And I think that's what I would say is stick to what scripture tells us because it's like you might think that that going with the crowd or doing these things is, is what's right and, you know, what would make you um, more accepted in society. And I think right as that seems, it's, it seems it's wrong. And the whole point of the Bible is that it's, you know, countercultural. And so, you know, following the Bible and pursuing holiness is what's what's truly um, noble and what's truly right. So I would say, yeah, you know, keep pursuing that rather than conforming to the world. And, and life will be hard, but it'll be worth it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for the suggestion. I think standing firm, like you said, uh, is admirable. Yeah. And even though you feel like uh, you will become the minority and you may losing friends like yeah. that. But maybe you will meet some admirable friends as well. I will. I honestly agree with that. I, I had so many friends. So I thought when I was hanging out with the wrong crowds, then I lose them all because I'm pursuing my faith at liberty. But I found greater friends through liberty and some of my best friends now. And these are these are relationships that are much deeper because you have that connection to God and because they're your brother and sister in Christ. So, you know, you can really talk about life's issues. You can really talk about you know, what's going on rather than just being like, yeah, I'm okay. Nothing's bothering me kind of stuff. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. 
Do you mind telling me a little bit about spiritual journey? I know you're more like a raised from a Christian family,、mm-hmm. um, but how do you see yourself?、Um, like, were you、uh, at the moment that you become actually you became a Christian? Yeah, I was、uh, raised a Christian in a Christian household.、Um, it was、uh, a little interesting because. Um, my mom was a Christian, and my father、um, he became a Christian to marry my mom. He was he was Jewish,、um, and he didn't really understand Christianity. But in order to marry my mother, he was like, "Oh yeah, I'll become a Christian." So he did the steps and followed the actions, but he didn't really mean it. So growing up, it was interesting because my mother brought a lot of emphasis on going to church, reading the Bible,、um, you know, doing all those kinds of things, and my father really didn't. Care. He was very supportive of my mother in that regard, but he really didn't lead as a as a man of the household should lead.、Um, he was a great man. Don't get I'm, you know you know I'm not trying to bash my father, but he you know as far as like being that Christian、um, biblical leader, he m- was lacking. And I think I had this this、um, conflict throughout throughout my childhood. Though we went to church and I learned a lot about the gospel. And you know, I went to what was called the Wana. I don't know if you're familiar、mm-hmm. with it. Yeah. And one of the verses. This is when I first became a Christian. Was one of the verses was talking about. I believe. I honestly think it was John three sixteen. We were. I was trying to,、um, you know, memorize it because if you memorize it, you got a piece of candy.、Um, and I'm I'm sitting on the couch with my mom memorizing it, and she's like, "All you have to do is believe that Jesus died for your sins in your heart, and you'll go to heaven." And so of course, oh yeah, I want to go to heaven. That's all I have to do. So I said the prayer and I did the actions, and then you know from that point on, I kept、uh, you know I was claiming I was a Christian, and then you know come high school, like I was saying, I started more and more following the patterns of the world and, and hanging out with wrong people and doing the wrong things, and then、um, I went to my community college before I came to Liberty, and that was probably the lowest point of my life because I really didn't even care about college at that point. You know, I was I was working a lot, so. Because I was that, you know, because I was always working, I was always refusing to go to class. So I ended up having to drop out of community college, and then we went to, you know, my parents were like, "Well, you need to either get a full time job now, or you know, you need to get back into school." So I did Liberty University online, and then ended up flunking out of that too because I didn't care.、Um, so you know, at this point, I'm like, I was really lost, and then I ended up by God's grace getting accepted to Liberty, and. You know, I was like, okay, this is a kind of a start over moment. Came to Liberty, and it was,、um, I think it was my second month there. I think it was October, and it was this really、um, every Wednesday they had this thing called campus community, where it was like、um, it was like campus church, so to speak. Only it wasn't church; it was just like a gathering of of students, and then we'd worship, and there'd be a message, you know,、uh, and then you'd go back to your dorms and talk about it in community groups. Um, but one of these nights,、um, uh, we, the whole sermon series was talking about finding the presence of God and what that looks like and how we can find it and how we can invite it. And I think just something about that night was different because apparently there were like three thousand students in this room and we were all just, you know, we were learning that to to invite the presence of God, you have to truly yearn for it and and long for it、um, and and honestly seek it. And so I think. That night, three thousand students truly were inviting the presence of God, and you know He showed up, and there was something honestly supernatural about the room that night because everybody was just 
worshiping like I had never seen people worship before. And um, people were crying for no reason. I started crying for no reason just because there was there was something going on in my heart and God was definitely moving. And we walked out of that night. Um, I remember going to my hallway and everybody who was passing me was just like, wow, did you feel what was going on in there? Was, everybody felt it. Something was, ha- something was happening. And I think it was that night that I truly... I, I talked to my community group leader, his name was Zach, and I said, Zach, you know, I really don't think I understand mm-hmm. how to follow Christ. I think I've been doing it wrong my entire life. And I said, Zach, I really just want to rededicate my life and try this the right way. And I want to try pursuing God now um, the way I'm supposed to be doing it. Um, and so that moment I rededicated my life again. Um, and that was the point where I truly started you know, pursuing God in the way a Christian should pursue, mm-hmm. you know, becoming a disciple, um, getting into the word daily and praying. And, um, so it was that, that year that, that I kind of started to shift my mind and heart. So, yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. Well, after the transformation, your mind and your heart, uh, you, uh, become really sincere Christian. Do you find your Christian faith or Christian values has been transforming uh, yourself like uh, um, any thinking back if there is was some major decisions you made because of your Christian faith yeah biggest one off the top of my head is just relationships honestly I had been um, dating just to date mm-hmm. and then you know I became a Christian and then I or like rededicated my life that night and um you know, that was some, every, every person wants love, you know, but that was something that I was like, you know what, God, I need to, I need to focus on the real relationship between me and you before I can do anything else and get this right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really stopped trying to pursue women and focused on just building my relationship with God. And then through this time of just building that relationship, I found great friends who told me that when you do find a woman truly a biblical woman who would you know who's find one who's going to encourage you who's going to challenge you in your faith who's going to build you up who's going to be um equally at the same level as you and that was something i'd never really cared about um you know pre-rededication i you know i uh, biggest thing i was like oh are they a christian that's a plus if they weren't it's okay i'm still going to date them you know the unequally yoked thing and i didn't realize how important that was until after i dedicated my life or rededicated so to speak because i was like i really want a woman who's going to have these qualities that i can see that's going to help me in my walk that they also emphasize the importance of what following christ is and how important that is in your life Mm -hmm. so that was something that changed it's just my viewpoint on how i dated and then you know come to find out three years later after really not dating anybody, I found Lisa, and Lisa is, uh, you know, truly that woman who's who's got those qualities, who's seeking Christ above all things, above our relationship, and that was that was something that really made me attracted to her. Actually, it was because I I wasn't looking, and then I found this girl who had this ambition about her to pursue God, and I think that was what was important, and that was what I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one thing I think when I was um, on film sets, just continuously having to pray. Because, you know, on film sets, you're with a lot of secular people. And so, you know, you need to pray a lot. And so I think my relationship with God definitely flourished because uh, in those moments when you just feel so uh, alone, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're like, I'm the only Christian here. You know, I don't know what to do or who to talk to or how to talk to people. And 
I need help. And so I think that my, my relationship with him definitely flourished in that moment too, because I needed to depend on him to get through those sets, to change those people, to work with those people, to have, to have patience with those people. You know, many times I had to pray for, hey, Lord, help me with this relationship because these, these people are just, they are just complete on a different level. Like they are, I cannot, I cannot not stand being around them, but I need to be around them. And I know I can um, be an influence to them of your, your gospel. Um, so a lot of those things changed of how I work just with, with like jobs. Um, also just praying for, you know, and, and depending on, on God for the future. Cause you know, that's something that I guess every college kid is like concerned about, you know, when they graduate is like, I don't know what's next. And I think that my relationship had to grow there too, because based on the rededication now, I, I knew that, you know what, it doesn't matter what I'm going to be doing as long as I'm doing it for God. And I think that was something that my, my mindset changed there too. That's beautiful. Thank God for the amazing journeys. Mm -hmm. um, I heard you were with the uh, video production industry and uh -huh. uh, a lot of uh, Hollywood uh, value system mm -hmm. on one side. Do you have a particular example that we can have a more sense of like uh, understanding of uh, how do they uh, view things? How do they uh, think things differently? I do. Um, so on this previous set, uh, I had, the last set I worked on, um, you know, a lot of, I'd say mid thirties and, um, they're referred to as what's called roadies. And they're just, they're people who work on the road all the time. They don't really have a family life. Okay. Um, one of the guys on this set who was our key grip, he had a daughter at home and a wife and he's on set and he's literally trying to hook up with these girls on set and have, you know, one night stands with these girls from set. And I'm sitting there like, you're married and have a kid. And you're trying to, to, to sleep with these women? Are you, are you kidding me? Like, I, I, was, I was baffled. And, you know, I, I actually, I didn't ask him, but I asked a, a guy who I was friends with. And I said, hey, what's his deal? He's like, oh, the wife's okay with it. I was like, the wife's okay with it? He's like, yeah, she knows about it. And so she, she's, she's fine with it because, you know, she's still married to him. I'm like, what kind of messed up, what, what are they talking about? I was, I was amazed. Um, and so that was, that was one example where I was just like, what is going on? Other times, you know, people were, the film world is such about self-promotion. It is, it is such a, a world of, I need to watch out for myself because I need to, if I don't watch out for myself, I'm not going to get, uh, you know, the next position. I'm not going to get the next gig. So everybody's trying to backstab everybody. And I saw that so many times where people were throwing others under the bus just so they could look better. Um, and I, I, again, baffled. And so, you know, no one would take responsibility for mistakes that were made. Um, if you, if you did make a mistake, you know, you were trying to justify it somehow. Um, there were producers and um, this is just this, one of the saddest things is there were producers who, this was a, a, supposed to be a Christian based film and there were producers who, um, you know, people look up to the producers because, you know, they're the, they're the ones that, first of all, they're the, the, the most powerful on set. They're like the CEOs, essentially, of the companies. So people are always watching them. And these producers are not leading. They're, they're proclaimed Christians, right? But they're not leading like a Christ, uh, Christ follower should lead. Um, I'm trying to think of, uh, there was an example I had in my head and I forgot it. Um, 
I don't remember the exact situation, but at the end of the show, I talked to this this woman who had been, um, she was the production office coordinator, and she had been doing many, many films, okay? She had worked with Marvel Studios. She'd been on Black Panther. She knew um, many famous celebrities, right? So she, she was... She was pretty well known, um, and she had decided to work on a Christian film uh, because she wanted a change of environment. She wanted to be in a more encouraging environment, an environment that was welcoming, um, non-judging. Right uh, at the end of the film, she comes up to me and she's, you know, she was a good friend of mine, so we were talking, and she said, "You know, Tyler, I'm just so so hurt because these producers and this film that was supposed to be a different environment, different from the world." was even worse than what the world was doing. The way I was treated, the way they were running things, it was just terrible, and I, I have such a bad taste about this. And as a Christian hearing this to a non-Christian, I'm like, that's terrible. Then we were doing something absolutely wrong. And I said, I'm so sorry that this was the, the whole, you know, this is what happened, but, you know, Christianity is not what they're making it seem. That's not correct, and I'm so sorry about that experience. You know, so I think that... Um, like on set, you saw a lot of these, you know, secular things and people were always doing it too. And, you know, because you were away from family and because you had really no accountability because, you know, you're, you're working constantly, I guess all your morals and beliefs just kind of went out the door, which is not, I don't think that's right. Um, so I was challenged too, because on set, you know, I needed to, to be that light, you know, especially on a Christian set. Like I needed to be the light on a Christian set. That's that's so sad when the leaders of the set need to be the light. You know, I, I should be the light too. But these leaders who have the platform to impact everybody below them, they need to be the biggest light. And I was I was so sad by that, and that left me with such a bad taste about Christian filmmaking too. Um, I'm not saying all sets are like that, but this one in particular was. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you said, if the leaders may stand up and to change the culture and to uh, actually practicing the Christian value My as word, yes. uh, the true light yeah. in the world, um, unfortunately, is um, um, th- a lot of times uh, the world actually um, uh, got to overrun the Christian values. I think that goes with any kind of person who has any kind of platform mm. is that people look up to you and people will always watch you whether you think you're being watched or not. And so I think that you need to understand, especially if you're a Christian, you need to be living like a Christian. Because that one person who's challenged in their faith, who doesn't know if they want to pursue God yet, and they're watching you, and all of a sudden they see you doing these things, they're like, huh, these Christians are fake. You know. So I think that you have a duty as someone who has a platform or influence, you know, especially as a Christian, to pursue Christ. You know. Mm-hmm. But um, have you ever thought that as uh, us, me or you, uh, as uh, just one person, uh, we're not a big influencer, um, have you ever thought that nothing we can do about this uh, culture, nothing we can change uh, as a Christian? Uh, have that uh, my, uh, thought come to my mind? Yeah, all the time. Um as untrue as it is, because I think that even just as much as you think you're a nobody, you do have influence. You do have the power to change other people's lives. But I have to say, I haven't thought that is wrong because I have. I'm like, what can I do? I'm on the lowest point of the totem pole, you know? No one's going to listen to me. No one's going to look at me. Um, but they do. People do. 
And I think that um, maybe not by by hearing what you say, but by your actions. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think you can be the reason someone ends up coming to Christ because they're like, Tyler, why are you doing this all the time? Why are you constantly like, you know, taking the time to care for people and to pray for them? Well, because I believe in something greater. And I believe that Christ calls me to do that. So even even in someone who has no platform or no influence, you can still make a difference. But to answer the question, no, I, I didn't believe that for a long time. Uh, I have a hard time sometimes believing that, but it's true. Um, I I now, now understand that, yes, you can make a difference and you can impact the kingdom. Yeah. So as you are today, like uh, you are uh, among those uh, uh, middle school students mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, other teachers as well mm-hmm. and also you're in the middle of uh, the uh, church uh, you're in the uh, international group mm-hmm. and you're in the youth group so um, tell us um, what has been your um, your ways to uh, to lead to impacting other people I think with uh, if I was to look at the youth group um, I think that something I learned from just my youth minor was that, you know, you really need to understand how the youth um, feel. I think that um, every youth um, person, youth student, um, has the same desires and wants. They want to be accepted. They want to be welcomed. They want to be, um, you know, approved. They want to be um, loved. And they all kind of have these same kind of um Uh, wants and needs it all kind of boils down to those same kinds of things and so when i'm leading the youth you know i try to to speak to them as as if i'm welcoming those needs i'm trying to build off of those needs you know i'm trying to you know welcome them to youth group i'm trying to show them that they're needed there that they're loved there that you know they're welcomed there that we want them there um you know uh so when i'm i'm with them and with the youth i definitely have that approach and i definitely try to come alongside of them and i think um lisa and julie and the other two youth leaders leaders we all agree that we want to you know really want them to i'm sorry we want to come alongside of them and do life with them because you know it's hard to do life especially when you're alone as a teenager, you know, um, and you can see that also working in middle school, you know, kids don't want to be alone. They want to have friends. And when they're alone, that's when they make the wrong decisions, the wrong choices. That's when they're at their worst. And so, you know, we all understand this. And so we really want to make sure that when we're teaching and we're leading the youth, we want to come alongside them to be with them. Um, so that's something that, that when I lead youth group, that is very important to me. Um, international group, um, I think that that one is more, it's a little bit more different because um, one of the biggest things I love about our church is that we are so multi-ethnic. And that is something that, uh, as someone who's grown up in America, that really I haven't seen very much of, you know, because it's America. As much as, you know, there is a lot of, you know, it's a melting pot. There's a lot of races and ethnicities. Um, But to be at a church where everybody's different backgrounds, different places they come from, different languages they speak, but we all serve one God has been something that is like really eye-opening for me. And I love the picture of it. I love that no matter where we're coming from in this world, we're all still worshiping the same God and that we all still believe the same God and believe in his word, the Bible. And I think that is something that is truly beautiful because we've said it many times, but heaven is not going to be all white people. Um, It's going to be all races, tongues, nations, all praising God. 
and Christ for what he's done. And I think um, in international group, I see a small glimpse of that. In the church, I see that too. International group, I, I see that too because I get to know these people on a little bit more uh, personal level because it's a smaller group. So we get to talk more. Um, we get to hang out more. Um, and so, you know, when I when I help lead that group, that is an emphasis on that is I really want to make uh, these relationships um, where we can start talking more than just, hello, how are you kind of relationships. But um how is life? What are you struggling with? What's going on in your life? And I think um, Amber as well, who's the other main leader, is that you know she really makes it a good. Uh, she really does a good job emphasizing that she really, you know, makes it and takes the time to get personal with each person. And I love that about it. You know, so you know, I think leading that group, I make it very relational, and I really want to get to know each and every one of those members there, and I want to come alongside as well and do life with them, but in a different scale. You know. Um, and I think, uh, I think that if they come to that group that I really feel like they're welcome there because that's what our goal is, you know, to get, uh, I feel like our goal is a little bit deeper than the church because we we're smaller so we can get more intimate and relational. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for uh, ministering in our church and thank you for, uh, impacting those, uh, young people's life. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for taking the time and to uh, talk with us. Yeah. And love to hear more in the future. Yeah. Good to have you. Thank you, Long. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Please subscribe if you like our content. One in Christ is a multi ethnic church. You're more than welcome to join us and to worship our Lord together. And we'd like to hear your unique stories with Jesus in the future. 